Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's your boy, Val Cisco, dropping some knowledge about Anchor. Guys, have you ever wanted to record your own podcast? Don't you want millions and millions of people to listen to what you have to say, whether it's about Zeus, whether it's about sports, whether it's about everything that's going on in the world of quarantine? Guys, what are you waiting for? Download Anchor. Anchor basically is a one-stop shop for all your podcast needs. It has creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Number two, it's free. Guys, it's free. There's not a lot of freebies out there, so grab this. And of course, Anchor will distribute your podcast so you can be heard from different places like Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, and many, many, many more. You can make money off your podcast too with minimum listenership. So right there, guys, like, listen, this is a no-brainer. Download Anchor. It's pretty fantastic. I love it. Hell, thank you, Anchor, for giving me the platform to speak about all the random things that I do. Uh, it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So please, once again, download Anchor. You can download it off the Apple Play Store, the, the Google Store. I don't know if you guys have Blackberries out there still. Uh whatever is out there download it it's freaking phenomenal you guys won't regret it take care ciao on everybody and welcome to another great edition of pop five always brought to you by sideshow conversations it's me mr reed richards himself not the fantastic four but hey i got two of them i got the johnny storm to my left mr jacob how you doing jay hey what's going on man i'm doing good and then the first time to the show all the way down from san antonio mike how you doing mike i'm doing excellent thank you man yourself I'm not that bad. Do you mind being the the Benjamin Grimm of the group today? Oh, no, I do not. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, guys, today we're going to have a special episode. I know it's been very prolific having all these comic book movies happening these days. Hell, every year there seems to be either at least about three to four to even five comic book movies that release. Mm -hmm. So it's safe to say it, it is the fab of the late 2000s as we're going into 2019 next year. So... Yeah, we have some Oscar nominations, we have a couple of rises, but we also have a couple of lows, and that's what we're going to be talking about today, the worst comic book movies. How do you guys feel about that? Jake, I'm going to give it to you first. Uh, Worst comic book movies, uh, uh, are we subjected to a specific timeline? No, not at all. We're going all the way down to the 60s. Hell, we can even go down (laughs) to the 50s if we want to. There's a slew for... 
for every Superman, there's always, you know, a Superman <laughs> 4. For every Spider-Man, there's always a Spider-Man 2. So, uh, well, <laughs> amazing Spider-Man 2. Let me refresh that. So, you know, there's a lot of things out there that, you know, people will say, yeah, that movie was great. It was fantastic. But here's the debate. Which were the worst? How do you feel, Mike, about the worst comic book movies out there? <sighs> I'm telling you, they come in aplenty. Oh, my they God. Do. They really do. <laughs> I have a question for you guys, and whoever wants to answer first. Do you feel like for every good comic book movie that comes out, do the bad ones really hurt the franchise too much? Not too much. I don't want to – not too much because, you know, like, uh, you know, the strong fan base is going to stick to it, you know, whether it's good or bad. You know, like, like if you're a real fan, you're going to see it. So in a way, it's going to make its money um, and, and really – if a smart director or a smart um, uh, company is going to learn what people hated about it, and uh, hopefully another even smarter company and director will be like, you know what? Here's everything that went wrong with it. Let's do it. Let's let's do it again. But then we have uh, incidents like Fantastic Four, so you know how that went. Yeah. It's- <laughs> It's pretty crazy out there. You know, we have so many great franchises that we could speak about, but for every great franchise, there's definitely that hole in the wall. They're like, what happened there? And that's what we're going to be talking about today. I think uh, since Mike is new to uh, the podcast, we're going to go with him for his first number five. So why don't you hit us with your first number five, brother? Uh, so on my list, number five for me off the bat is going to be Batman versus Superman. Ooh. <sighs> Why don't you tell us why? Okay, let, let, let's start. Let's start off with the premise here, which, in my in my personal opinion, I understand the direction they were trying to go. You know, vig, vigilante hero, Superman. They've done it in animations plenty of times across the board. Problem is, when they took it to the big screen, it was a flop. The character dynamics wasn't there for some reason. Batman was acting like an idiot throughout the entire movie. And then the final fight was not really that much of a final fight considering the budget. It just, it hurt me. I'm going to be honest. I definitely understand that. Um, When you're going from animation, I totally agree. You have movies like, um, uh, what was it, Justice League Doom that came out. The show about (laughs) Batman versus Superman dynamic. Batman, um, Superman, Public Enemies is another one as well, too. So even the Batman animated series had uh, quarrels with Batman and Superman. So... Going to the big screen, I definitely understand the problems that they were facing. Hell, this was supposed to be a Superman sequel at first. And out of nowhere, it came into a Batman, I guess, generated movie. And then went into a Justice League pre- prequel. I don't know what the hell they were thinking about. <laughs> Handing off the script, that's what happened. Handing off the script. <laughs> How do you feel about it, Jake? Uh, I mean, I mean, there, there's so many things can, that can be said about that movie. Um, uh, one of the biggest things that I will always, uh, always bring up is I, I never knew that Metropolis and Gotham were literally down the street for each other. Yeah, it's like, yeah. <laughs> at the time that the, the, the street lamps come on, it's like, all right, I'm in Metropolis. I got to go. My mom's waiting for me back there in Gotham. I'll, I'll see you guys <laughs> tomorrow, you know? Um, and the other thing that bothered me and it's, it's, I don't know if this was done on purpose, but um, all these recent movies uh, with DC have a very dark, like literally dark. Oh. I don't understand it. Like, are they trying? It's reverse Marvel. 
Exactly. It was like, are they really trying not to be Marvel by just like even just depleting color in this? I, I just I don't get it. Uh, but it was just it was just a horrible movie. And I'm sorry, but Ben Affleck as Batman, I just can't. He makes a he I makes an okay Bruce Wayne, but I just don't like his Batman. You're right. Mm-hmm. There's there's a couple of things I don't like about the movie. I feel well the biggest thing to me, in my opinion, is just that we didn't earn Superman's death whatsoever. Spoiler alert for a movie that's been out for a couple of years. But I felt like no one really cared. Like, all right, you sacrifice yourself by getting this damn kryptonite spear. Bro, wonder you could have tossed this to Wonder Woman for for like three seconds and she'd have could have stabbed Doomsday. So that right there was just bad directing. I feel like it wasn't mm-hmm. warranted. And of course, in my opinion too. The Martha connection, having um, Bruce Wayne snap out of his bloodlust for Superman when he mentions the name Martha. He's like, oh, well, you know what? Your mom's my mom's name. I guess we're friends now. I guess we're best friends. And then, of course, I like this part. because You know, this part of the movie I can, I can, I can like and like laugh at. But my favorite part to look at as a, as a comic book fan, I guess, because you'll get this in a comic book, the freaking training montage that Bruce Wayne goes through for at oh least about God. a good two yes. hours three hours of him just lifting weights and smacking tires just to fight Superman. What the hell was that about? Come on, you know he got a prep for the inevitable. It was like two hours of training. <laughs> <laughs> it was like you go to the gym for the first time in like five years, you're feeling swelled up that first day, you want to take some pictures. That's exactly what it made me feel like. There's too many, uh, I had so many jokes with that, with that movie, especially when he was getting to the fight. I was just like, honey, where's my super suit? Like, I just couldn't, <laughs> I I was like, really, guy? Oh, my God. All the training just for a suit. You might as well just put the suit on and just hope for the best. I was like, ah. In, in in that montage, I was just waiting to see, um, you know, some Richard Simmons in there, uh, Batman getting it down, you know. <laughs> You're doing it. You're feeling mighty. <laughs> you know, the best part of that movie, I, I think we all agree on, is Wonder Woman, and especially her theme song. I think that's the only yes. thing that saved that movie. That theme song is that do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do. It was badass. Literally, um... I, when I was, because I actually did see it in theater, and that theater was completely quiet. And like, as soon as Wonder Woman came on, like everyone started clapping. It was like, to clap just because you know it was like, yeah, I feel it too. I feel it too. Like she saved the movie. Like if if Wonder Woman wasn't there, I think I think it would have been an even bigger flop. Yeah, definitely. It would have been a Fantastic Four. Yeah, yeah, you're right about that one. Now, that was a great pick, Mike. Jake, let's get into your number five. All right. So my number five is kind of like, this is why it's on my number five, is because it's kind of like a guilty pleasure as well. But I'm going to have to give it to League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Oh! Oh! (laughs) So, okay, again, it's a guilty pleasure because I thoroughly enjoy it. But when, when you really think about it and, you know, it as a movie and what what it was trying to achieve, it just missed the mark like completely. You know, I, I love the actors that they had in it. Uh, <laughs> um, the guy that played Dorian Gray, I mean, I felt like he was fantastic in the role. He, you know, he kind of um, had that had that character. Uh, so I think he did portray that well. But I mean, the whole movie was just it was just a big flop. <laughs> the action was like really lame. The dialogue was very poorly written. Um, and this movie is even being. Crazy credited to 
um, Sean Connery's uh, retirement. It was like after doing this and like after how bad it did, like he retired from acting. One of the greatest quotes that I read <laughs> was, um, Dr. No couldn't kill him off, but director Stephen Norrington did it with ease. Like, that's how bad it is. Gosh. What's crazy is that I like Sean Connery in that movie a lot. I think he saves that movie, and I agree with you. the 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 aspect of the the of the script was phenomenal. You gained all these mythical characters, like these monsters coming together. Um, I think he hit the nail on the button with the Dorian Gray character. That actor, uh, his name escapes me right now, but I think he was coming off the heels or about to go into the movie of Queen of the Dam, and that movie mm-hmm. flopped as well too. So mm-hmm. you know he had that that stigma, and he was already typecasted as that pretty boy, but very <laughs> mysterious, <laughs> but we but has no tone whatsoever. Yeah, uh, see, I myself, I'm gonna have to watch this movie again because I used to go to sleep to this movie every night. It was, my, they were my heroes, guys. They were my heroes. <laughs> you're right, you're right. But even when you go back into like that 2004 Van Halen movie, that movie's pretty bad. But, but that, love it. That, that Dr. Jekyll, Mr. High sequence in that movie is 10 times better than The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Truly, yes. that is, that's very true. And and his was only on there for like what? It was like the first five minutes yeah, of the movie. Pretty you much. <laughs> um, I think the best line uh, out of Leo of Extraordinary Gentleman was when uh, the Invisible Man was like fucking with Sean Connery, and he was like, "I want to that off. Time will be my foot up your ass." Like that. Oh, was- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just, like choking, fit, like open air, just like ah, you know. Um, mm-hmm. The comic itself is fantastic. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of like the Justice League of this Victorian era. So, I mean, it is a beautiful, uh, beautiful story, uh, something that is very creative, very original. But it was just wasn't um, executed well at all. If there is one thing you could change for that movie, what would it have been? Everything? Um, <laughs> no, I think, I think the story should have had a better flow. I think it should have been a better more solid story. Um, I think that they were just trying to, um, with it, you know, uh, it, it was like trying to mix too modern, like too modern of an era with uh, these characters who are back in, you know, that time. You know what I mean? Like with the gigantic ship and everything yeah. that they did. You know, I think that was a little bit too forced. You're trying to show a lot of too much, you know, and people who are not familiar with the comics, you know what I mean? Like, They'll just see this entertaining, but you know, you kind of still got to give a nod to what the comics was and um, how the story flowed with that. Use an inspiration if, if that's all you're going to do, but do it right. Uh, again, there was no solid story on that. It was just here's a bad guy and we got to save the day. And by what I was reading about the comic itself, I mean, and, you know, they're not technically heroes, you know. Um, and I think that's another thing that they did wrong is, you know, you have all these people with very different personalities, very different, um, you know, uh, very different paths and ideas of, you know, how they want to, I guess, tackle the world. And all of a sudden they're good guys. It doesn't work out that way, especially with these kind of characters. I believe if I could change one thing, it's going to be the ending. Mm hmm. If I knew there wasn't going to be a sequel, god damn it, man. They should have <laughs> never buried them. They should have just left them alive. There would have been so much more. You're right. But, uh, it's, I, that's probably the one thing that, I guess, hurts me out of the entire movie. It's the fact that they put so much effort into it. He goes through such a great sacrifice, and then boom. You see the sword in the grave. 
the grave rumbling, you, the clouds start changing in the background. But what do we get? Nothing. I think, I um, in my opinion, if I were to change it, more character development, I felt like there were so many loose ends from different characters that definitely. needed more depth. Yeah, and you have these definitely. prolific characters, Captain Nemo, you have, you know, um, Jack, Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, you know, so, uh, Dorian Gray. Hell, Gray's character mm-hmm. in this show called Penny Dreadful, if you guys have not seen it, is so great. It's another show that kind of got canceled. Penny Dreadful. Mm-hmm. It's on Netflix and Hulu right now. I I would say watch it because the Dorian Gray character is ten mm-hmm. times better than what that movie shows right now. So if anybody mm-hmm. out there hasn't seen Penny Dreffel, watch it. You'll love it. Anyways, Definitely. let's get into this number five here. We're going to stick into the creepy crawler category right now. You know, the IRS may know him best for tax evasion, but Wesley Snipes is regarded <laughs> as one of the best all-time actors of all time from the 90s going into the 2000s. You, and- which... <laughs> <laughs> Which, movie? Which movie? Which movie? You don't know it. Oh my god! Uh, <laughs> and of I, course, I feel that there's not a one, there's not a lot of representation when it comes to African American characters. And when you look at the Blade character, it was so simply done. Blade One, great movie, very cheap made, but still great movie. Very simple, very mm-hmm. simple storytelling. Blade Two with Del Toro's um, dynamic. Very great with the sci-fi aspect. Gave you a different version of vampire that was in this movie. Hell, gave you a father-son dynamic as well, too, that you felt for the main villain more than you felt for Blade. So, those two films alone, you have a franchise made for something. In my opinion, this was in the early 2000s. It wasn't the second movie that had to live up to expectations. The third movie is the one that always killed it. And, of course, this is one. Yes, Blade Trinity. Is that no. the one that had Triple H? Yes, this is the one that had Triple H and a Chihuahua vampire dog. Um, <laughs> he was kissing around. This had Ryan Reynolds as his Hannibal character as well, too, being like a vampire mercenary. We're, you see where we're going with Deadpool with this, guys. So, of course, <laughs> you know, uh, we had him doing his wisecracking jokes. And, of course, for sex appeal, because the director felt that this franchise needed to be dark but also sexy with Jessica Biel's character being Wesker's daughter. Uh, it just felt too convoluted. The story wasn't there. And, of course, the cherry on the fucking cake right here. They bring Dracula, strip him of everything that's cool about Dracula, and call him Drake. What the fuck is this shit right here? I remember that. I do remember that. See, personally, I'm gonna just throw this in there, and people can hate me for it, but I have never liked any of the Blade movies. I'm sorry. I'd rather rather watch Wesley Snipes and Two Wong Fu. uh, (laughs) (laughs) You might be right about that. (laughs) But this oh still had a star-studded cast, you know, for 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 um, you had Wesley Snipes, you know, peak of his career. You had um, Ryan Reynolds, who was, you know, the darling at the time as well, too. Still is, but uh-huh. at that time, early 2000s, he was like almost very a young, of, yeah, you know, of that generation. So you know, this was a great. This movie had no fail. And then I just felt like the direction wasn't there. I felt the story was going a little too much, too uh, too moody, too dark and gloomy, and try to bring it into something more relative that we all know. Yes, Blade needs to fight Dracula, finally. Hell, in the comics, they even built up to that. You know, in the comics, you know, Blade was always trying to find Dracula. But once he did, you know, it was like this epic battle. You did not get that. You got horrible CGI. I remember the CGI at the time. You know, I could blame things like Spawn. Spawn for, you know, 1997 some bad CGI, but at least they experimented. 
this <laughs> 2004, we have some effects. Hell, Jurassic Park still looks good to today. You know, and I could watch that movie every day. This had no excuse. Um, what I think they did wrong was I think they rely too much on the um, the fan the, the fan base that they had because Blade had a very strong fan base and I think because you know the first two were successful you know I, I felt like they thought okay you know our strong base is uh, our fan base is strong as is, as it is you know uh, we can experiment with this and we can try and tweak it a little bit and uh, it'll still be good I think that that's what they probably had in their minds but no they they what about you mike mm-hmm. i think honestly for me when it comes to the blade series i think it's the fact that they started it's it's the same as you jacob they started writing on the fan base but at the same time i feel that they tried to trump their lack of depth in their movies with sex appeal yeah so it's kind of like we're gonna hand you shit but you know here's some sexy parts you know what i mean get the get the juices flowing and i'm like oh, they could have done that? more yeah, exactly it wasn't about that but that's kind of my issue with the Blade movies. Like as as they go along, they start tilling more on sex appeal versus actual story and plot. Yeah, you know they gave up on the familiars and you know the underground and vampire nation. And it is giving mm-hmm. the vampire nation right here. Hell, Blade's too powerful. What we're we gonna do? Just wake up Dracula. He'll solve everything. I didn't care about it. That mm-hmm. was lazy storytelling, in my opinion. That and it, it killed the franchise. It ultimately never went back to. Wesley Snipes, even though Wesley Snipes still today is telling that he wants to play that character, at this moment in time, I don't think I even want to see another Wesley Snipes Blade uh, movie. Um, <laughs> we saw the, the BET version of Blade as well, too, which kind of failed at one point. And, you know, oh my God, yeah. it is a movie. <laughs> I, mean, I, I understand the want and need for, you know, our black heroes, but it has to be executed, I mean, perfectly. You know what I mean? Uh, that that's the whole point is you know with that passion for wanting a super uh, a black superhero you have to put that passion into every little detail of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, why do you think black away. Why do you think Black Panther is what it is today? Because exactly. the craving of a great you know black superhero we don't get that. Hell, even in our TV series, look at um Black Lightning. I've tried watching it, but I felt like it's too forced into the comic book mm-hmm. universe. I, I was better off watching Static Shock, to be honest with hey, you. Hey, Static Shock is <laughs> awesome. Yeah, it's like, just, like, oh my gosh. I can't, oh no, I just can't. Yeah, they yeah. Everyone just keeps going backwards instead of forwards when it comes to movies, and I don't understand why anymore. Well, as that franchise ended, my pick ends right here. Mike, we're going to go down to your number four. So my number four, and it's funny because we're already on the Blade topic. You hmm. talked highly of the movie as a as a continuation into the franchise. But for me, I feel the sci-fi experimentation actually killed it for me. Oh. And my number four is going to be Blade 2. Ooh, okay. Explain. Explain. You tell. Now, uh, yes, the sci-fi approach was completely nice and everything, but... It's it, they just it took away from the whole vampire aspect of the movie in its entirety. They were what immune to light. They instead of them actually sucking your blood, they had like this elongated tongue that can shoot you from across the house. You know what I mean? Like right, like a being a trap. Yeah, it it got a little too left field for me. And I was so like, now we oh, know what the, so now we know what the inspiration for Twilight was. Or what's that one show, The Strain? That's when I saw The Strain, the first thing I thought was Blade 2. And I was like, oh my God, they Mm -hmm. just they took it further. 
Oh yeah. my gosh. And what's funny about the strain is this uh, co-producer of the strain is uh, Del Toro too. So that <laughs> that monster carried on too. <laughs> no wonder it yeah. fits so perfectly. But the sad part is they did a better job in the strain, especially with how the virus actually carried itself into humans than it did in Blade Two. I can see that. Another another issue I had when it came to Blade Two was once you got to the ending of the fight scene with the with the short little betrayal, so that he could be the the what was it the king vampire? Right. Just I was just it, it lost it for me, unfortunately. I'll say I was that. like, okay. <laughs> I have it's a guilty pleasure because I do like it for some parts, especially with the whole militia that they form. Um, that was cool, and then when they like when them. they raid the club and how everything goes, hey, well, yeah, like I'll give that its due respect and all that. But it's, it's just once you start panning out to everything else, it just yeah. it becomes a little bit too much. You know um, what killed it for me, and it's right at the beginning of the movie too. Because this could have been left for part three, and maybe it would have made a better movie and a better arc, especially with the character they have in there. But the reintroduction of Albert Wesker, after we think that he dies in the first movie, yes. and then so soon they just bring him back like they needed him, made no sense to me. Mm-hmm. What about you, Jake? I agree. Uh, you already know how I feel about Blade. I mean, I, I thought <laughs> first two. And, I mean, I only did because, you know, my friend was really into Blade at the time. And so, you know, I, I would go over, you know, just hang out. We'd watch it. I didn't even bother watching the third one. I saw parts here and there. But, I, again, yeah, uh, Blade just didn't do it for me at all. It still didn't make my list, but I, it's still nothing that I would. If there was something you could change about Blade 2, maybe a different script or a different direction, what would you have done? You know, honestly, I would just, I would take out, I would just take out the elongated tongues, make them more vampirish, but, you know, maybe augment their body in a different way. You know, it, it felt like cheating. That's, that's like vampires with crutches. You, what, you don't have to run to your victim anymore? No more, no more staring them in the eyes and, like, putting them under a trance? You just have to, like, stick your tongue out at them? You got them? No? Yeah. I agree. I'm I'm a traditionalist when it comes to my vampire movies. I like the the fantasy with it. I like the fact, like, Interview with the Vampire is one of my favorite all time vampire movies of all time. And I need to watch it on Netflix, man. I need it's on Netflix. I need to watch it. It's a great movie. The glam, the the sophistication, you know, the posture, what it is. They're so statuesque of what a vampire Mm -hmm. can be, and brings Mm -hmm. you and lures you the seduction of a vampire. That's what I think of vampires. Not, you know, I agree. It's a different approach, and I can appreciate Del Toro's vision for it. But I agree, it, the, the succubus of the vampire is a little crazy. Yeah, there you go. Blade was perfect for you know that timeline because you know as in, in that time period, you know um, there was a lot of movies that are coming out that kind of had that dark and and almost kind of gothic appeal, you know, to it. And so it was nice, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, the whole idea of Blade is incredible. Um, I, I think it just needed to be uh, the first one. I'll give its credit where it's credit due. Yeah. Yeah. First you know? one. Yes. But definitely. Yes. The, the second one, I think it, it. I just needed a lot better execution with its plot. Um, I think they got a little bit too carried away with the success from the first one. You know, mm. saving can be said for the third one. The third one was just way too out of like that. That was just way overshot. Second one, it, it, it missed the mark. Well, I enjoyed that pick, brother. All right, Jake, give us your number four. My number four 
I'm gonna have to give that to Batman versus Superman. Uh, it it was just an all round bad movie. I I was so bored watching that um, through most of it, uh, and you know, like like we were already discussing, it, it, there was just too much about it. You know, um, I still can't fathom the fact of Batman killing anybody, and he was just going like Punisher war zone. Uh, it was insane. I was just like, oh, like what is this? Is this a dream sequence or something? Like what's going on here? He's just like powering power gunning that shotgun dude just like god god like oh okay you know like i i just i just don't understand that and um you know going back to you know the whole martha thing it was like just a simple name can you know ruin i mean just like fix this entire situation it was like oh by the way how convenient we both know a martha you know um (laughs) yeah so that's my number four I think we just lost Mike. We're going to get him right back. All right. Hold on, people. It kicked me out. And we are back. And we are back, everybody. Sorry about that. Technical difficulties. Ah, things happen. That's the magic of podcasting right there. We can always pick right off where we left before. Um, With your number four. 
Oh, no, no, no. I, I want you to keep on going with, um, with the Martha incident right there. I know you were talking about Martha and a couple of things as well, too. So you were saying that how one word can make you feel like, let me talk about my best friends. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, just, it, was, it was just too convenient that they both knew a Martha and suddenly the world was better again. It was like, we, we, we can both agree now. You know, I just thought that was... Uh, I, I felt like they knew that they were going to write that from the very beginning. It was yeah. like, hey, they both know a Martha, so let's definitely make that work. And, um, and I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, but um, the, uh, the whole Lex Luthor character, I still don't know how I feel about him. Um, I, I don't, I, I'm sorry, but it's not the Lex Luthor that I know. Um, and that is from, you know, different, um, uh, uh, different, you know, uh, I got you seeing, saying. Yeah, seeing Lex Luthor in different roles, uh, you know, whether it be animation or live action, mm -hmm. this Lex Luthor to me is just too new, and I just don't know how to feel about him. Mm -hmm. I could agree. Hipster Lex Luthor wasn't my thing. He was like a mix of, like, the Riddler meets Lex Luthor, if you will, and I didn't mind that too much, but his riddles and his quirks were bothering me just a tad bit. I don't like the age difference, even though, realistically, um, Cavill and um, Eisenberg are relatively the same age. You know, Eisenberg was gonna look like a teenager still. He looks like he's fourteen still, so it kind of <laughs> kills it. And then, of course, uh, mm -hmm. I just felt like everything was just way too convenient. The kryptonite that he finds was way too convenient. Oh the, hell yeah! Uh, does that does Lex Luthor like just like go insane trying to find kryptonite to begin with? Like, isn't that like his ultimate goal that he just has such a hard time doing to begin with? Yeah, it was uh, mm -hmm. it was something that wasn't needed at, at, in this movie once again. And then two, uh, in my opinion as well, too, for a Superman movie, I felt like, yes, we, we, spent, we spent a lot of time on Batman. And I understand what they were doing. They were going with the Dark uh, Knight Returns comic book, a very grisly Batman who's lost a Robin, who's lost everything in his life and is done with superhero, you know, being that vigilante. He's kind of done with it. And if he's not done, kind of he's doing it in extreme ways with extreme prejudice and extreme justice. You know, we see him branding people. You know, we see him using guns against people. So, yeah, it's a very violent Batman, and I get that it does change toward the end. But at the same time, you know, for our introduction of Batman, it's not exactly what I wanted for the fight sequence. I didn't mind it so much because I got to see Batman kick some Superman ass. I'm a Batman fan. <laughs> but it was just weird. Yeah, I agree. Mike. Uh... Man, let's see. <laughs> I really, I can't, it's, when it comes to Batman versus Superman, I, there's really not much more I can say. It's just, it was just an absolute miss. And then if you go back and then you look at the timeline of the Batman movies and then you follow the Superman movies, it doesn't mesh. And it's it's kind it kind of it's the, it's the same thing with a lot of the whole Marvel tie-ins and a lot of DC tie-ins. They had so many standalones that when they finally decided to do a collaboration movie, that it just you had to forget everything you knew, just Definitely. throw it out, and just refresh it. And for me, it's like I grew up doing this. Batman and Robin were doing this. Poison Ivy almost did this. You know what I mean? Mr. Freeze was actually a bodybuilder. It was <laughs> <laughs> like, 
I had to throw that away and had to get used to a new Batman. I had to throw everything I knew about Lex Luthor, about Superman away, and I had to refresh myself on a whole new version of him. Same thing with Spider or with Spider Man, yeah. Like, oh my gosh, Tobey Maguire was excellent. And then what happens? Third movie done. Next movie retarded. Last movie decent, and it's because it's part of Marvel. Yeah, definitely. That's a great explanation. That kind of leads into my number four here. It definitely goes into a sequel. And for everything that Tobey Maguire did do and kind of did wrong in his franchise, I feel mm-hmm. like Andrew Garfield never really was up to speed with the Spider-Man character. This is very up to debate because people do love the Garfield character. People do love the, the franchise in those two movies. They feel like it had enough depth. Peter Parker was relatable. And they were doing something new. I understand it. But mm-hmm. Amazing Spider-Man 2 just did nothing for me and definitely killed that franchise there. <laughs> Too convoluted. You brought the secret agent history, which the parents were kind of part of S.H.I.E.L.D., kind of these agents, the double agents in a way. You mm-hmm. threw that history in there. You threw the Rhino, which Paul Giamatti <laughs> is a great fucking character. I love actor. I love His Paul character Ryan. work is just phenomenal. And to have him in this minuscule role as the Rhino... And has this horrible <laughs> accent as well, too. Like, darr, like, no, I don't want this. Like, why do I have this? Like, was this necessary? Just to see the, the mech suit? Okay, whatever, sure. Um, you get that. You get, you know, the, the character development with Gwen Stacy. Cool. And Emma, Emma Stone's a good Gwen Stacy. I'll give her that much. You know, she played I'll give her that much, too. And the relationship I bought as well, too. But I felt like the introduction of Harry Osborn was so, you know, Magoo. I felt like that was just like, hey, Peter, I've been around for, you know, this many days. But, you know, hi, what's up? Um, and then his turn was just so fucking out of nowhere. Hey, this is our first time seeing Harry. And now he's a fucking Green Goblin out of nowhere. Sure. <laughs> yes, you hate Spider-Man. Okay, I get it. And then, <laughs> to top it all off, Jamie fucking Fox playing his worst character to date with a horrible toupee and horrible electricity oh puns. I did not care for this movie whatsoever. Heavy. <laughs> Heavy. It's, uh, that's funny. It, it, you know, as you're saying everything, it's funny because in my mind, when you think about the when you think about the bad acting of the rhino, the first person I shoot to is the Sandman. And uh, yeah. how his whole his whole story was just like, I get it. You want me to have the sympathy for you, but at the same time, you can't act out the sympathy that would evoke that emotion. Like you, you don't have it in you, bro. I'm sorry. What about you, you Jake? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Oh no, no, I'm good. All right, Jake. What do you feel about Amazing Spider-Man Two? Um, you know, like uh, like you said, um, I had. I mean, I did love Andrew Garfield as Spider-Man. Um, it was refreshing to see, you know, what he could do with Spider-Man. But, again, that was a miss as well. But what I think um, The Amazing Spider-Man 2 did wrong was I think they were trying to do something different that the original Spider-Mans didn't, where the original Spider-Mans really focused on, um, I guess with the exclusion of Spider-Man 3, but it focused on one villain. Whereas, you know, um, they were trying to do something with this, uh, this Spider-Man series. It's like, let's, let's cater more to the comic book fans. Let's give them more of what they have missed from the other movies. And mm-hmm. like I said, you know, when you write all that into one movie, you just get a jumbled mess. You get a cake that won't bake. You know, you just have all this, you know, you know, just this bunch of shit. You know, might as well make cake pops and hand them out to everybody. You know, they they were franchise building. I understand that. You know, one of my 
things I used to say in like the mid 2000s, like I'll die happy when 2012 comes, but at least I saw the goddamn Avengers. And I was <laughs> happy with it. You know what? I was so satisfied with the Avengers, but they took their time to build to that level. This mm. movie just threw so much in there. Yo, you got the Easter egg at the end with the Sinister Six costumes, which no one really cared for. Um, you had, I guess, um, oh, the, the haunting from Captain uh, Stacy. Of course, they had to have, you know, um, Stacy just show up every single second haunting Peter's dreams and trying to stay away from Gwen in that relationship. And then, of course, I don't know why. I feel like they just, they only put Gwen Stacy in this movie, in this franchise at that time, just to get up to this point which I didn't care to see. Once again, I feel like we didn't earn it. The death, I felt like we did not earn the snap of the neck. And we finally kind of get, no, we don't. Fuck that. No. (laughs) We don't get a resolution because he catches her and her head kind of snaps the floor. So it's like, did she crack her head in the sidewalk? Was it the web? We still don't know. So why introduce that whatsoever? It was just... Why? That was about it. It was just like, why? I didn't need to see it. <laughs> yep, I agree. <laughs> you have any last thoughts on it, Mike? Hmm? You have any last thoughts on Amazing Spider-Man 2? No, sir. I do not. <laughs> I do very not. like that franchise then. Let's go to your yes, number sir. three then. So... My number three has been picked on pretty much the entire segment as well, too. It's 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 one of the biggest flops. It's one that actually started in 2005 and was great, but in 2015 the remake totally just decided to take a dump on it. The Ooh. Fantastic Four. Ooh, oof, that is a rough one. And you know what? Um, I- I'll let you go with it, but I have some thoughts about this movie. Go ahead. So you have some, okay, so. Me personally, when it came to the Fantastic Four, there was there wasn't character development across the board. Everybody was in their own personal little world, trying to get their own personal accomplishments done. When it came to the team synergy, it again it was lacking. It was lacking beforehand because everybody was at each other's throats trying to survive. And then when it actually had to get it together, it was still pretty much up in the air. It it just it hurt my feelings. When I think back, because <laughs> well, we like think back to the 2005, it was perfect. You know, they literally had an accidental experiment. They're trying to discover their powers, but at the same time, a family aspect was there, trying to keep them together. You know what I mean? Right. And that's it. It gave you that kind of like a sense of relate. Of course, you can't relate to Invisible Woman or stretching your arms ten miles, but you can relate to the fact of trying to stick close to your friends, like their family. You know. Well, you know, it, it, it's fun because the Invisible Woman is a very relatable character to a lot of women out there. You know, the fact that she feels invisible to the whole entire world, you know, making mm-hmm. uh, her character's been going back to the 60s where, you know, women's rights were at an all-time low trying to get to the point they are today. So feeling invisible, feeling like you're, you're saw right through eventually yourself is very prolific and it really does touch a lot of corners there. But this movie doesn't show it whatsoever. Um... I do appreciate what they were trying to do with the family dynamic of having Michael B. Jordan be um, the son and, um, of course, Sue Storm being, like, the adopted daughter. So I Mm. I like that. That was a little different, and I can see how they were trying to shake things up a bit. Um, You're right. There was not enough character development, and I feel like 
if this wasn't called Fantastic Four, I think it could have been a decent movie because the horror aspect was there. <laughs> that part, yes. when you see Reed just like wake up and he's just a stretched out mess and you're seeing Ben just like a, a pile of rocks just screaming, help me, help me. And you see Johnny just like burning. That's crazy. That part right there, I was like, oh, this film might have something. But like it drops the ball so far, like it gets like it does. It really does. That's what I'm saying. It had the potential. It really did. And you know, technically, they could have done their own thing and maybe slightly kind of followed along the the original, and Mm -hmm. it still would have been good. It still would have been good. But it was the fact that they try to split everybody up, but they don't give you enough information about everybody. You know. And then the biggest flaw to that is Doctor Doom. You know, they make it, you know the, the age is a, is another thing too. I felt like the Fantastic Four is a you know the best representation of the Fantastic Four right now is the Incredibles. To be quite honest, um, yes. It, 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 yes, that's an actual family, and that's what the Fantastic Four needs to be—an actual family with family issues. There has to be a dad, there has to be a mom, there has to be a jealous little boy, and there has to be the big brother picking on them. That's exactly mm-hmm. what the Fantastic Four are. And this mm-hmm. wasn't that. They were both these CW replicants coming out. <laughs> oh, you know, let's let's talk about that. Let's talk about that cheesy animation that they try to they try to pelt us with too. Because I'm, I'm not gonna lie. They they could have done a little bit more with that CG, but uh, it, it just wasn't right. Yeah. You yeah. Know, the pile of rocks looked completely computerized. The same thing with the flames. It just <laughs> it just wasn't it wasn't good enough for me not for that budget they could have done a little bit more if you were gonna give me the thing naked i need to see things thing that needs things to- thing. <laughs> you have to see things thing it needed to be it needs to be everywhere it needs to be flopping around like a big floppy donkey dick just smacking people around say you know what i might need some pants you know what? what? <laughs> I would have been. I don't okay think I've that. ever heard of a flaccid rock. That would be something very <laughs> interesting to see. I don't. I don't. Th- mention it in the comics, like he does have does, one. How does that pan out, though? Like, what would the? Well, okay, so he doesn't have a flaccid rock, but does he have like a rock attachment? Is that is that what we're working with here, or like how does he really get the feng shui going? I just don't see it. Like, just a <laughs> stalactite you- magically forming. <laughs> You know, like well, these are the problems of Benjamin Grimm. We'll never know it, and this definitely this movie didn't elaborate on it either. But I would have. Is he a Jewish that. rock? <laughs> He's a circumcised boulder. Oh, but, I want to see like. Go ahead. Go ahead. Another thing is, of course, with Victor Von Doom. You know, Doom. I think him and Reed's relationship was pretty okay. You could definitely see that they were friends at one point. And oh, they yeah. grew a respect for another. And, of course, the admiration for Sue as well, too. I definitely saw that. But just him turning into Doom, you know, lost in the negative zone and just being, like, this, like, God character coming out of the negative zone with all these powers and psychic abilities. Mm-hmm. I didn't care about that. And, of course, the mo- the thing, the cliche of all superhero movies now, the big freaking beam in the sky that the superhero Oh, my God, down. yes. Dude. Yes. Yes. Everything yeah. does that. You're not a tyrant without a giant beam. (laughs) (laughs) And it's just like destroying miles of city and just like destruction. And I'm just like, um, where's the insurance on all this? Like, come on, guys. I think think the most over-exaggerated beam in the sky has to go to um, 
damn it, what the hell is that movie? How did I forget it? Um, uh, um, uh, uh, Suicide Squad. That, that was, was Suicide Squad. Too. Oh my gosh. I think the most too. dramatic beam I can imagine is going to be Hellboy's dramatic beam shoots into the moon and yeah. the nether realm opens up like that. That was dramatic. This one wasn't a beam, but the whole world engine, the beam going inside the earth to terraform and just yeah. like destroying everything in Metropolis. That was pretty bad, too. That was yeah. Cliches, cliches out. But that was... That's an interesting pick. I, I like uh, like there's some redeeming qualities for that movie, but not enough to say, yeah, this was a good movie whatsoever. They could have done it again. A lot of these movies, they 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 seem like they have the right idea, but it's the message always gets lost in the text. That's always what it is. Yep. What about you, Jake? Do you do... Have, have any thoughts about that movie too? Um, uh, I only saw bits and pieces of it, you know, here and there. I didn't get to see it uh, full through. Um, but uh, one of the reasons why is because, you know, I read so many bad things about it. I heard so many bad things about it. I was just like, ah, dude, like I, I was afraid to walk into that, to be honest. <laughs> you, did, you did a good job. <laughs> Any last thoughts, Mike, on the movie? Oh, no, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> well, this leads us to Jake, your number three. My number three, I'm going to have to give this one over to Green Lantern. Um, You know, uh, Green Lantern, um, for for the longest time, was my favorite superhero. Not just because I love the color green, but partly because I love the color green. And it was just the whole idea of, uh, you know, the planet and and the organization as it is, you know, uh, with the Green Lanterns. um, It was just brilliant. And to finally, be, especially for a unique and original character like that, to have uh, his own movie, I was mm-hmm. I was really excited for that. Like my expectations were set so high, and then I get this piece of shit dropped on my plate, and I'm just looking at it like, <laughs> what is this? What did I just watch? Uh, the CGI, <laughs> like, oh my god! I mean, when you when talk about CGI. Okay, comparing this to a movie like Avatar, which is like completely, you know, predominantly CGI, you know, um, which ended up being like uh, everyone's favorite movie. We can mm-hmm. talk about that another time. But, Super know, long. I, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to get an Avatar, but, you know, this CGI was just so CGI that I, 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 I was very disappointed. It's like, this just looks fake. Everything about it just looks fake, and I just do not like this. And then, you know, for some reason, um, Ryan Reynolds always, you know, he keeps that just quirky, you know, quippy um, character. And uh, in this, with this, with, with Green Lantern, I don't think it works. I don't, I don't think that Green Lantern, as I know, it was just always a very, very, very wise, um, very knowledgeable person, you know, and he was mm-hmm. always very level-headed. So this uh you know uh green lantern character was a little bit strange to me so yeah and it was just really bad writing throughout the movie too Mm -hmm. you know i have a love for green lantern he was one of my favorite superheroes growing up as well too maybe not so much hal jordan because when i got into comics the green lantern time was kyle rayner and i just Uh gravitate to his character what i knew about hal jordan reading the comics i knew that he went psycho and destroyed half of the United States at one point. So I'm like, okay, that dude's badass. Like, but he's an asshole, though. So, so going into this right here, I knew enough about how Jordan uh, reading different comic books, especially with Jeff John leading the helm. You know, I felt like this was going to be a decent movie. You know, you had the special effects. You have the CGI. You can really make a, a, a stand for this. And I felt some parts of this movie were pretty good. 
the Oa part was pretty good. Them and Oa was really okay. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. His relationship with Sinestro was awesome. I felt like Sinestro was the best character of the whole damn movie. I just felt uh, that yeah. everything on Earth was horrible. Like, if you would have looked at his face, I think it would have been a pretty decent movie. But everything from the race car that he makes, like the Hot Wheels that he makes, the well, what else did the construct that he made? Like a, a, like a, like a two-by-four, a boxing glove. I didn't care about that shit. Like, I wanted oh, yeah. some Hal Jordan, I'm gonna destroy you, motherfucker. And I didn't get that. Mm-hmm. What about you, Mike? So, when it comes, I think when I think for me, when it came to, oh my gosh, when it came to the Green Lantern, I think my biggest thing is I got so used to seeing him as an African-American character because of the ah, Justice League yeah. that I was yeah. slightly thrown off that they completely did a 180 and went with Ryan, with Ryan Reynolds. It's the, and also, I agree with you, too. Um, I don't like his quirkiness. It, it doesn't fit the Green Lantern at all. He is very much so a wise character. He's always been the one person that people always go to for advice, wisdom, and everything. And then he just kind of became like a little one-shotter, basically. Um, I Actually, surprisingly, I didn't have that much of an issue with the animation. I thought for its time, it was at least within the realms of not being too, too cheesy. You know? I could agree with you on that. I just think the parallax part, just parallax being this, you know, all, you know, fear mongering uh, villain. Oh, yeah. Looking uh, like coming to Earth, that's what it looked like. Uh, just a bunch of like Google State <laughs> in the entire Earth. I did not care for that whatsoever. Like, I, if I wanted a battle, I wanted some like lantern versus lantern, not some freaking um, yeah. Fantastic Four 2 where we see Galactus as a space hand of smoke. I, that's how it felt like. John Stewart, that was the um, mm-hmm. Green Lantern for Justice League. I was that's trying to remember his name. That's everybody there from the nineties to the mid two thousands. That's their Green Lantern. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the Green Lantern that I did, and and I, I thought John Stewart was a great, uh, a great Green Lantern. So uh, again, like this 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 character was just too strange for me in this movie. So it was just it was just a big flop, a floppier donkey dick than fucking thing. <laughs> <laughs> Personally, though, I'm, I will say on the side, I am glad Ryan Reynolds finally found his superhero character, yeah. which is Deadpool. And just, yeah, don't ever leave him. Like, you stay with him until he dies. Because uh, <laughs> Ryan, Re- like, Ryan Reynolds acting, it, it takes a certain, it, it has to be a certain type of character because him innately is a very funny, quirky, quippy type of person. Like, when I think of him, the first person that, the first movie that comes to mind is Van Wilder and how he used to be yeah. this big old playboy, basically, you know? <laughs> Are you so, the only like, supervillain on this mic? Because you're so <laughs> pretty romantic. I was like, uh, what's going on with that voice there? Is, uh, <laughs> who do we have on the show now? Hey, you um, know, I understand what you're saying there, too. Um, I think about the Deadpool movie, I will say this. As much as I love Deadpool 1 and 2, I think the whole cliche of him making fun of Green Lantern or any other movie that he was in the past, I think he should stop that now and just kind of get over that hump because I get it. We get it. Green mm-hmm. Lantern sucked. It kind of almost ruined your career. But you found grace. You found something mm-hmm. that, that fits your bill right now. That's your moneymaker. Just leave it alone and bury it like everybody else has. Exactly. Exactly. But I agree with him. The animation wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. Um, I will stick to my guns and say 
anything in space was pretty damn cool for Green Lantern. Yes. But that's now a great thing. Uh, well, I said this, we had a private conversation not too long ago about how I felt about the X-Men movies and how I felt that Apocalypse <laughs> really kind of killed me. I felt like some things weren't really um, earned as well, too, especially with the Phoenix coming out at the end. Spoiler for people who haven't seen that in like two years. But the movie <laughs> right, that we, <laughs> the movie that kind of earned it in a way feels like it almost killed the franchise to the point where they semi rebooted it, and that is X Men's Last Stand. Last Stand. Mm. Yeah, yes. <laughs> you know this movie it had all was fire on all cylinders. X Two built up so well with the Phoenix Saga coming up, with the emotional aspect with Scott and Logan and Professor X and how they could have saved Gene. And when you get this movie, what do you do? The first five minutes, you fucking kill Cyclops. Not even kill him. <laughs> you, like, don't even show him getting obliterated. You just see his glasses just float around like they're, like they're a piece of shit in, like, some time <laughs> Like, that pissed me off. Like, Cyclops is one of my favorite characters. I feel like he did not need that kind of nonchalant death. That killed me right there. Of course, there's a slew of other things. I'm the fucking juggernaut, bitch. That fucking part just killed me right there. Piss poor representation of the juggernaut. Yeah, that was a very poor. Oh, very it poor. It was very poor. And of uh, course, the, 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 the emotional aspect of Wolverine having, be, having to be the one to destroy the Dark Phoenix and um, him getting ripped apart. It's like his, his heart getting ripped, essentially. I saw the metaphor. I didn't care about the metaphor whatsoever. Uh, <laughs> That's and, so cruel. And a pack with his decision, I, I want to be rogue. I don't want to be rogue. Um, evidently, she gets the medicine anyway, and she's like a human now. She goes back to Bobby. Bobby's like, I don't want you, bitch. I got kitty pride now. I don't care about that either. <laughs> like, a lot of this movie just felt like it was going back to She forth. just needs that gammon dick. That's what uh, she yeah, needs. yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think so. She needed some Creole dick in her life, and she didn't get it in this franchise. <laughs> so it was it was up and down all over the place to the point where I remember almost walking out of this movie. I just took around because Isn't that I'm the, the fan. Is that the same movie where Magneto in the end joins up with them to try and take her down? Yeah. <sighs> okay. Yeah. yeah. No. Yep. Yeah, it's all coming back. Little ragtag crew. <laughs> that, that that Professor yeah, no, X part yeah. though where she blows up Professor X, that's not that bad. I didn't care that much about that. That was pretty okay. But if I would have got that with Cyclops, it would have meant more. I think also, isn't that the, isn't that the same movie where they had the slow-mo animation and the, uh, what's his name? The guy who's super quick is literally like saving everybody out of the car that's about to blow no, up. No, no, those are the new ones. That's a different movie. Okay, yeah. see. What, what, I'm trying okay. to place this movie. I'm trying to place it because um, when it comes to X Men movies, I give it one shot, and if it's not good, <laughs> I, I don't even go back to it. I one and done. No, this is the movie where we saw um, what's his name. Um, um, can we just talk about like I'm sorry, but um, Kelsey Grammer's Hank McCoy was just per- perfect. Yes. I, no, I can him with him. Okay. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. I love I, him. Yes. I think he's uh, he was like one of the best parts of that movie because you know he 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 portrays Hank McCoy very well because that's what Hank McCoy is he's a very very uh, intelligent very you know upstanding citizen and mutant you know um, he's that bridge between you know hey you know we're 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 very tamed and when you kind of think about the um, uh, what's what's that word uh, uh, you know that it, you know as a beast he's very tamed as a person. 
you know what I mean? Yeah, uh, yeah. Kelsey Grammer um, was great. Um, you know, uh, Ian McCain was awesome as Magneto as always. You know, Patrick oh, definitely was my Professor X and will always be my Professor X. So there's some really good actors in this, but also for your good actors, you get a, a worthless angel in the beginning of the movie looking <laughs> cutting off his wings. Does nothing yes. Nothing. You were pointless in this movie. Why were you in it? <laughs> Right, because didn't he come back like one time later, and that was to save? Got to um... catch somebody. <laughs> uh. Yeah, that was just like poorly written. That was just a force, just a force uh, piece of that movie. Yeah, that movie was just very bad. Um, the only other thing I liked about it is when literally, like the last dance, they're all just like taking on Magneto's peeps, you know, and there's just that epic battle at the end. Um, what these X-Men movies did, uh, which killed a lot of the series, was that they didn't really focus too much on the powers. Um, and that, that's one thing that made X-Men great, very relatable, because, you know, these people's powers represent everything to them. And, you know, uh, character development is huge, is a huge part of the X-Men storyline. That's my thing. You know, people are trying to learn who exactly it is that they are and if they accept themselves for that. The movies uh, just totally missed that on so many levels. So it was not that um, you can do so much with X Men. You really can. Well, yeah. The the biggest thing that I would tribute to the fall of X Men, and this is my own personal belief because people will fight me on this, I feel like Wolverine is the detriment to the X Men franchise. Every movie is based on Wolverine. And even when you got to uh, First Class, you still had cameos of Wolverine. So it's like. I think my issue with, and I agree with you, it really did always tie around Wolverine. But my thing is, I think if the fact that it did tie around Wolverine, it muddied the story too many times because you're trying to focus on the X-Men. But let's give you a little bit more snippets into Wolverine's backstory and his life in the military. And they, Yes, and they just they kept trying to feed it to you in snippets. And if they would have just put it in X Men's Wolverine, just left it in one movie, it, they could have actually focused on a lot more things. Got a lot, a lot of I don't even want to talk about that. That was that was devastating. There's just so much wrong with the with the X Men franchise just to begin with. But mm-hmm. the, to put a final stamp on X Men Last Stand. I just felt like everything was kind of rushed in this movie with no direction. I felt yeah. like they took liberties which weren't earned, and I felt like ultimately the Dark Phoenix didn't live up to what she was. In, in fact, in this movie, no, she was like a goth psychic. That was really no. about it. She wasn't the Phoenix that we all love. <laughs> she was just a pissed off chick. Yeah, she, she was. She was dumb down. She was dumb down. It was horrible. <laughs> Yeah, all in red, too. This red freaking trench coat. Get the fuck out of here, okay? All right, I'm going to get the fuck out of here with that one. We're going to go to number twos. Go ahead, Mike. Hit me with your number two. So my number two has a star actress by the name of Halle Berry. Ooh. Oh, my God. I know where this is going. Exactly. It's the only we way are... it can go. It's, it's only yeah. There's only one way it's gonna go, and that is Catwoman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Catwoman, in my opinion, it it you know she had the sexy seductress. Um, when it came to the outfit, it, I didn't like it. Her headpiece garbage. They should have put a little bit more work into that. Um, the fight scenes they weren't even that good. They looked very choreographed, very 
timed if you you know what I mean? Definitely. Like there wasn't there wasn't no fluidity to it. You know, I think probably the the most memorable thing outside of in that movie was the sex scene. And of course it's probably because I'm a guy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know. <laughs> no, that's yeah. Halle Berry though. That's Halle Berry though. You know, if you take anybody back to that time frame, everybody's gonna want a piece of Halle Berry. Yeah, yeah. She's yeah. a superstar. I came out the closet. I was like, yeah, yeah. And I'd go a little <laughs> you know. And you're right. This was supposed to be, you know, Warner Brothers like franchise player right here. We have Catwoman. We have Halle Berry. Where can this go wrong? And so many aspects went wrong. Whether it was the it character, did. whether it was the villain, whether it was the horrible feline puns throughout the whole movie. Like, don't give me. I'm gonna like, stop you right there. I, if, as horrible as the movie is, I am a big fan of cat puns, and that's the only thing that kept me writing. <laughs> no, it was like somebody studied all of Arnold Schwarzenegger's lines as Mr. Freeze. <laughs> How can we apply this to a cat? Hey, that Let's is a guilty pleasure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And you know what I don't like about this movie is the fact that, yes, I understand she's Catwoman, but you know what? Batman didn't turn into a bat or act like a bat. You know, Catwoman, she she right here is just like acting like a feet, licking herself, you know, prowling like a cat. Exactly, trying to hang on to this sex appeal, and I'm just like, come on, dog, you know, in in the comics, She's a very renowned thief. Sexy one at that. You, you should give her her dues. You know what I mean? She's a cat burglar. That's the only reason why she's called Catwoman. She, she's exactly. Cat <laughs> Even when she has her anti-hero moments, like, again, there's so, they could have done more. Yeah. Halle Berry was sexy enough to where they could have made her fierce, taken out some of the sexiness, and it still would have been good. It still would have hit its mark. Definitely. Uh, you know, Anne Hathaway, you know, played a phenomenal oh, performance in Dark Knight Rises, and I love her, her Catwoman. Even though that's not my Catwoman, for all the for all the shit I'll give you, Halle Berry and the puns that she does, I still love Michelle Pfeiffer's Catwoman. Michelle Pfeiffer, like, yeah, she she um, I, she was such a great compliment to that movie. She really did, and and she played that role uh, phenomenally. You know what I mean? Um, Excellent. It wasn't, it wasn't overdone. You know, she. I, it's like she studied that character and really kind of got her head who Catwoman is as a person. And, um, but I will also say the same thing for um, Anne Hathaway. It was like, I think she did, uh, she gave us a different persona of what else Catwoman could be. Yeah, you we know? essentially the cat burglar in, in um, Dark Knight Rises, which I didn't mind. The part where she robs Bruce Wayne as a waitress, that was just awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Halle Berry um, as a literal cat uh, that was, <laughs> what was that basketball scene like? What was the oh whole point? Oh my god, I forgot about it. Like Breakdance basketball fighting. Yeah. Like, <laughs> what was the whole point of that? I just don't understand. It's like are are, are black people automatically, you know, just uh, do we have to throw in back basketball for everything? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, that was a horrible staple with that. And you know what? You were getting a lot of shit for Harry Berry because they were like, oh, Catwoman can't be black. You know what? I've seen in many comic books where they depict Catwoman as African-American, and she is fantastic mm-hmm. in that role. Mm-hmm. You know, the color should not define a character. It should never define oh. anything whatsoever. See, but they do it, introduce that in this movie for some reason. 
See, now this has me curious because it, it, it's off topic again. But have y'all seen the previews for the new Spider-Man universe, the yeah. animated one? I, again, I think that's an excellent way of introducing some variety into the com- into the movies, you know? Yeah, definitely. Even in the comic books, you know, with Miles Morales, you know, essentially he was the, um, in the comic books, you know, they had the Marvel 616 universe and then they mm-hmm. had the Ultimate Universe, you know, for other kind of comic book stories. And their mm-hmm. Spider-Man was different. You know, this Spider-Man was, you know, half Spanish, half black. Awesome. We finally got someone that represents ourselves. That's great. Uh-huh. And when they incorporated that into the universe now, people were fucking losing their shits. Oh, how dare you have a black Spider-Man? How dare you have a Spanish si- Spider-Man? Deport him. You know, do some shit like that. And, and, that, and that's the most insane part. It, yeah, that, at least for Nick Fury. Um, oh, you know. oh, God. Yeah. 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 It's, it's despicable. It's despicable. And you know what? The more uh, we can put a positive outlook on characters like this, the better we can actually uh, move on from, from all the, from the hate. You know, even mm-hmm. the newest Spider-Man. Um, even though, you know, like you said, it's a good movie. It's not a great movie, but it's a good movie. But hell, you have MJ as a black character. Is it the Mary Jane that we all know? No, but it's a spin on Mary Jane, and I enjoy exactly. it. Exactly, exactly. Great, uh, Mary Jane. But you know, I I will defend um, you know this Spider Man. You know, and you know why? I I just think he is the most gorgeous human being on this planet. Right <laughs> <laughs> the truth comes out. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I I just like wow. As soon as I saw that costume, I was like, oh, Tom Holland, where have you been my entire life? But <laughs> she does a great, she does a great, great Mary Jane. Well, um, we're going to keep on with the Spider-Man theme and go to my number two, which ooh. is another sequel. And once again, kind of killing the franchise, if you will. This is a movie where we definitely saw Tobey Maguire's age come about. Yes, we, we all were leaving it alone. Tobey Maguire looked like he was 30 to begin with when he was playing 16. <laughs> but this movie, he really did look like a drunk 30-year-old. And I felt that this is Spider-Man 3. Ooh. Yeah. Was it, was it the emo Tommy Maguire that did it? Yes. I, yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. This is Tommy Maguire going through his teen phase. Yes. <laughs> going with his dad moves, doing his dad dance in the middle of the street. Yes. With some jazz music in the background. Why? <laughs> he would purposely move his hair in front of his face like, all right, I'm changing characters now. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Time to switch it up. Here we go. <laughs> New me. Who this? <laughs> Not only that you also get of course the culmination of the harry osborne situation which i was interested in uh we really saw in the first movie and then the second movie the the the, the brother to brother the friend the best friend dynamic fall apart and essentially that was gonna finally reach mm-hmm. a climax especially at the end of spider-man 2 where harry finds the green goblin costume we all mm. thought this is gonna be epic we're gonna kill this shit right now what do we get a half-assed green goblin number two with a snowboard <laughs> and a gas mask. What the fuck was that? <laughs> Why? <laughs> Where did you go wrong? The original Green Goblin had so much more writing for him. And it's probably because the original Green Goblin actually stayed true to his, his actual outfit from the comics. You know William what I mean? Defoe was great as a Green Goblin the first oh, time. Oh, my God. His bipolarness was just something to admire the the psych the psychoticness of him looking in the mirror and having to talk to himself like you yes. you felt it it was real Ugh, you loved it you can it. get that with James Franco James Franco is a great actor but 
this movie fell so short with that. You did not feel or uh, maybe get the warrant of the hate that he had for Peter in this movie. You just felt like he was like a jealous ex-boyfriend. And mm-hmm. then, not to add that on, you get the Sandman dynamic. And I did enjoy the, the, <laughs> the, the animation for Sandman. I have a soft spot for him. But, you, you do. Know, when you have the main villain from from um, George of the Jungle play Sandman, it kind of kills me just a tad bit. <laughs> Where's tad my bit. daughter? The, oh, okay, come on, hold on, sir. <laughs> Let me just put some water on you so you can chill out for a little bit, okay? So you can just disintegrate for a little bit. Just take take a take a deep breath. And then... <laughs> Thomas Hayden Church is a great actor, though. I mean, he, he is. He, he was his um. You know, his, his, his respect. But yeah, you're right. You know, as Sandman, I think they were trying to, because that's what, you know, I think that's what the Spider-Man movies did from one through three. They had a very emotional appeal to them. They really did, mm-hmm. especially with, um, with, with, with Peter's aunt. I mean, it was the fact that she was so old. You know what I mean? Like, you always felt bad for her. You know, you always, it's, it's like, cause I'm very close to my grandmother. So that, like, hit me, you know, right on. You know, that, mm-hmm. that definitely hit me in the feels there. Um, but I think I think they overdid, you know, Sandman's uh, his his emotional role in there. Yeah, not even that too. You know, I, I can I can I can deal with Sandman's emotional role. Uh, there's some redeeming parts as a father myself. I could see that. Yeah. Mm. The forceful entry of what they were giving us with the symbiote suits and how they forced oh. the black suit on Spider-Man, which didn't even look good. I want to talk about that suit. I do not like the the, the Spider Man suits, the right the original one, and of course the black suit as well too. This is you design. Didn't? No, I, the the original from the comic books, just even in animation with, with the Spider Man TV show, straight black with the white spider symbol is just classic for me. And this kind of just looked like it was I, lazy. It was just true. like boom, here's a palette change. That's really about it. I can do that on my computer. <laughs> Okay. I change. I can do that with <laughs> video games, okay? Nothing changed whatsoever with that costume. It was lazy. Oh, that oh, that's crazy. When, when you saw the poster for the movie come out for Spider-Man 3 and you was just there like hanging on the wall of the movie theater, did that not excite you though? To no, be able to it did. See? I thought it, it did for me. Because I knew what was happening. Me. I knew what was happening. I knew what they were doing. And I knew that they were going to force Venom upon us. And they fucking did. And let's talk about that elephant in the room. Topher Grace, the dude, not even the main character of that 70s show, but one of the fucking Magoo characters of that 70s show is Venom? Is Eddie Brock? First of all, in my head, Brock Lesnar is Eddie Brock. Okay? (laughs) Straight up. Like, if you can ever make a Venom again um, after this um, Tom Hardy movie that comes out, please, I don't care. Brock Lesnar doesn't even have to talk. Just the presence alone of him. He could cosplay <laughs> as fucking Venom if he wanted to. So this skinny motherfucker, I have more muscle definition than fucking Tobin Grace. And it's like, <laughs> why? Why? I felt no hatred, the hate that he has for Peter Parker or Spider-Man. Uh, oh, he's camera broke. Oh, he gonna get a good picture of the Sandman. Oh, Bryce Dallas Howard was Gwen Stacy, and he got stolen away from a jazz dancing Peter Parker. I don't care about that. Uh, <laughs> uh, J.K. Simmons is the only part about that movie that I love. He plays a great freaking uh, what's his name from the Daily Bugle. Uh, what's his name? Oh. J. Jones Jameson. <laughs> uh, that's the only redeeming part about this movie. What, what about you, Jake? Do you have like any real thoughts about this movie that that really sp- comes to mind that you hate the most, or maybe just dislike? 
I mean, I mean, uh, the Venom character, it's, it's like, I feel like, um, I, I think that they wanted to end Spider-Man 3 with Spider-Man 3. Um, and I guess before they ended it, they wanted to give a nod to um, a very iconic character in the Spider-Man series, which is Venom. And it was just, it was, it, it was just uh, poorly written. It was very forced. Um, I felt like it might, you know, um, I, I don't know. It, it, there's just too much to be said about that. Um, the last fight scene, too, I thought was just too much, uh, especially with him oh. being held down and just getting slammed by giant knuckles of sand. Like, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> that was a little bit much. And then here comes, here comes the hop goblin to save the day. Like, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I understand yeah. you now. I'm sorry. No, Here's I a bomb. This, like, that, you know... <laughs> You know what? I agree. If it was just going to be Venom for this movie, it could have ended off with just Venom as a solo villain. You didn't need Sandman, and you definitely didn't need um, this freaking piss poor Green Goblin. Hell, Green Goblin number two could have been a great villain if you needed it. But oh, we didn't get that whatsoever. Hell, this wasn't supposed to end the franchise. There was supposed to be a Spider Man 4 with Sam Raimi, and they were going to cast um, John Malkovich as the Vulture, which it could have worked. Oh, okay. Yeah. That could have. I love the Vulture we got in Homecoming. You know, oh, that was Keaton is the best part about that movie. So I'm not too disappointed. <laughs> but at the same time, like this had legs. But then again, hey, if we didn't get that, then we wouldn't get Spider-Man possibly the Avenger movies, which I'm, I'm liking so much so far. It's a little weird, but I can deal with it, though. Any last mm. thoughts on uh, Spider-Man 3, guys? No. Okay. My last thoughts we'll on Spider-Man 3 is I hope... The producer, one day when he's watching that movie, he looks at it and he's like, you know what? We never needed the Sandman for this. Like, I just hope that <laughs> I just hope he just comes to that realization. And then he, on his own end, crops out the Sandman from his personal videos and then rewatches it and then sees that he made a mistake. That's all I want. I'll be happy. What I do like about these movies is since it's Sam Raimi doing it, um, you know, you have Ash from the Evil Dead always making an appearance, you know, whether mm. uh, he's like a bellboy or the security for the movie theater. That's Holy shit, you're right. I yeah. didn't even, that didn't you even know, register that, to me. That never clicked to me, actually. Yeah. You're the, yeah, you actually pointed something new out to me. Now rewatch never all those clicked. movies and see him in those movies. They're like the best parts for you to watch. You'll see him. Like, oh, <laughs> you, you're here. Um, but before we get into our number ones, does anybody have any honorable mentions they want to mention? Maybe a, part, uh, a movie they, they wanted to put in, but since it's five, they just couldn't, so they're going to put like an honorable mention in this? Um, man. Um, I, uh, I, I didn't watch the whole movie, um, but I did catch a little bit of the spirit. Um, okay. And that just, um, by what I was reading, because I didn't even know the spirit was a comic, to be honest. Yeah, um, very old. Oh, yes. yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, 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 you know, when I saw it, the only thing I could really see was Sin City whenever I watched it, because there was just too much of that ambience kind of going on for me. And it, to me, it was just a really bad movie. But you, Mike? My honorable mention, first one that comes out to mind because I, I was debating, but he, I just took him off the list because it was bad, but not that bad. The Ghost Rider. Yeah. You know what? You're right. It, it was close. 
it was close, you know. The plot was the plot was decent, but it did have its decent amount of holes in it. The animation was cheesy, but not cheesy enough for me to get irked by it. So it I, it was close, but it's uh, y'all guys might not even like my number one to be honest with you. Well, let's see. My honorable mention, and I'm just gonna say this because a lot of people know me from the '90s. This is one of my favorite movies as a guilty pleasure. Um, and my dad will probably never let this down if I don't mention this. What but... you talking about, Willis? <laughs> I was a huge Shaquille O'Neal fan when I was younger in the 90s. <laughs> so, you know, there was a beautiful superhero back in the 90s called Steel, which... Oh, my God. <laughs> had nothing to do with the comic books whatsoever. But it oh, is a guilty pleasure. Wow. The Steel suit. And the hammer just knocking people out with the hammer. It, it, oh, it, wow. It's really bad. It does not hold up whatsoever, but it has a special place in my heart, though. <laughs> that, that movie kind of reminds me of um, fucking Hulk Hogan when he played that uh, stupid movie where he was like a, a nanny or something. Uh, oh, oh, oh. Someone's screaming right now like, it's this. It's not Mr. Mom, right? No, no, because that was with um. Michael Keaton. Yeah. Um, something. Mr. Nanny or Suburban Commando? Which one? Uh, maybe what? No, I think it was Mr. Nanny. I think okay. that's the one I'm thinking of. Somebody was, right now. What thought like, Mr. What? Nanny had Vin Diesel in it? Didn't? Oh, I'm no, not, that's I'm the thinking about the fire. There you go, the past. I'm over here start. I'm like, there's like so many nanny movies out there. (laughs) There's always some really big, uh, obnoxiously buff guy. Like, come on. (laughs) Um, The other honorable mention I just want to throw out there really quick is uh, Green Hornet. That was also kind of. Oh, that was a good. That was a good one. Yeah, yeah, I I can see that. I can see that. Okay, uh, one more honorable mention for me. This is back in the '90s as well, too, with. uh, what's my man named Billy Zane playing the Phantom? Uh, it's a guilty pleasure. Oh, yeah, yeah, uh, it's yeah. a bad movie, but it's a guilty pleasure for me, though. All right, so let's get into our number ones. Mike, lead us off. What is your number one? So my number one is a very recent movie. It is a part of the Marvel franchises, but when I compare it to the other Marvel movies, I personally felt it fell short in not only story, but combat and all-around animation, and that is going to be Doctor Strange. Wow! <laughs> go ahead, shoot. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Get the shotguns out. I'm ready. People might like, <laughs> riot after that one. <laughs> all right, it, it, you're you're going to have to back uh, it up. Tell me why. So, okay, my thing is, if you, again, you compare it to any other Marvel, any other of the Avenger movies, Every character had depth. I mean, a, a, a severe amount of depth. You know, their backstories, their family stories, why they're doing what they're doing. And then when you get to Doctor Strange and you watch that movie, my favorite part had to be when Thor came in and he was throwing his brother through a loop. That was yeah. my favorite part of the movie. But then when you get past that, his his obsessive cockiness the fact that he had to wait three days just to get training, and then on top of that, he just rejected everything. It just, ah, it just did not work for me. And then on top of that, my, another thing I didn't like is how do you give someone all this power? You give them one of the Infinity Stones. He meets someone who's going to annihilate the Earth, and the only thing he can do is lock himself in a time loop where he has to die every time. 
I just, you could have done more. That's all I feel. Okay. All right. I, I can I can see where you're going with this because because um, Doctor Strange is one of my favorite characters of all time. So like, <laughs> that's tough because I'm gonna take the cinematic um, way of looking at things and the character. Like my personal feelings aside, when I saw the movie, there were some things I didn't agree with. Um, uh, the training sequence with Doctor Strange, I felt like there wasn't enough. Um, time for him to develop his powers and when he finally became the Sorcerer Supreme or esque Sorcerer Supreme I felt like he didn't do enough to really have that mantle even him defending mm-hmm. the quantum you know it, mm-hmm. it, it just felt like he wasn't doing enough and I felt like even you know Wong was be, being more of a badass throughout the whole movie <laughs> than Dr. Freeman was um, exactly the story with Baron Mordo was a little weird as well too and why he left um, there was a lot to really take in but Mads Mikkelsen was a good villain, and um, yeah. I, 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 I like the part where he was fighting um, one of, like, I don't know, the, the anti-sorcerers. Um, in, oh, in, and in, the, in the spirit before world. he gets to, yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. That, was, that cool. was a good fight scene. That was a good fight and scene, but... McAdams is just like, I don't know what the fuck's going on. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> like there's, there's, some, there's a lot of redeeming, but I can see what you're saying, though, especially... With some parts, I felt like he was a little. His accent bothered the shit out of me. Oh I know my gosh! In my Doctor Strange, in my head, he always has a British accent or at least an English accent. You know, by the exactly. holy that heavens too. of that horror. Too. You know, he needs to say things like that. And the fact that he has his horrible American Tony Stark accent, it just bothered me a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then uh, you, and then it's the same. Uh, I agree with you also when it comes to him learning his magic. Like, it was so, I guess, sped up because of his natural ability to just read everything like a book and just yeah. have that photo mem- photocopy memory. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that, even though he had that, that still shouldn't have given him the ability within the span of an hour and I don't know how many <laughs> minutes to master everything to the point where he could take a magical device that could doom the world and still, again, just loop himself into a death lock. Durama wasn't as bad as, um, as I remember. Like, there was parts of Durama that I wish they were a little bit better, uh, especially in that universe where he does die yes. multiple times. I understand that. I felt like that was a cheap kind of way until, like, Duramu fell into submission and says, okay, I'm tired of your antics. I'm going to go away. It could have yeah, been something like, more about that. You, I understand. It could have been just... Uh, it, it, for the potential for what Doctor Strange could uh, for for what Doctor Strange could ultimately do, I felt like they didn't give the movie itself just a little. They could have given it just a little bit more. Yes, I would have been happy with just a little bit more. That's all I'm wanted, asking for. You wanted Chris Angel versus David Blaine in like a you're magic di- duel. <laughs> like, you're I, damn right. You are damn right. That's exactly what I wanted. I wanted the stairwell fight scene throughout the entire movie, basically. Like, <laughs> What about you, Jake? Yeah, you talking about the movie? <laughs> okay, first of all, like Doctor Strange is very fresh in my mind right now because um, I had to see it because I had never, I had never seen it. What 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 got me to see it was um, I, watching him um, in uh, Infinity War. I mean, you know, I think that they really uh, outdid themselves from you know the Doctor Strange movie and just the other cameos he made with uh, Infinity Wars because you know they really like showed his power and what he was able to do. Yes, exactly. But the movie, the first movie itself, the kind of introduction, I wasn't like crazy about his character. 
Um, because yeah, he was just like um, all I know him as is just like a cocky ass doctor who uh, obviously doesn't know how to drive in the rain. So um, you know, and I felt like uh, you know him going into uh, uh, the, the Supremes, you know, uh, go. What, what was the name of that place? The the oh, the Phantom. No, uh, no. The, the school or... Uh, oh, okay, okay. I know what you're talking about. I keep trying to say Taj Mahal for some damn reason. <laughs> no, it's not the Taj Mahal. But yeah. It's something similar, but whenever he goes there, I felt like he was just too whiny. You know what I mean? Like, I felt like that was a little bit out of character. I mean, I understand his, his desperate want and need to fix himself, but um, I thought it was a great movie. I loved it. I absolutely loved it because uh, Doctor Strange's character to begin with, like, he really is, and I can see what you're saying where he learned too much in too little of time for him to automatically be this super supreme, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but that is Dr. Strange's character. Like, I love what he's able to do. And I would also, yeah, I would really consider him one of the most powerful, impactful um, heroes in, 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 in the comic book world. Just mm-hmm. because he really, like, uh, it's, it's almost like he's limitless because that's the whole point of their power. You know, they can do just about anything. Exactly. Um, so, I think I think it was a great movie. <laughs> yeah, that, that, was, that was hard for me too because I, I, like it I said, a special place in my heart. But I understand what you're saying. Like it was more like uh, Doctor Strange Year One. So like all he could do was make a whip and teleport. So I understand completely what you're saying, especially when we get in Infinity War, where he's like making pentagrams and like steps for people to fight on. Like exactly, yeah, and it's the, day and uh, night. It makes me, and then it really makes me wonder, like, how much time really progressed between Doctor Strange and Infinity War for him to just get that much better. That's it. Oh man, you couldn't, you couldn't take ten extra minutes of learning and put it in (laughs) Doctor Strange. If you go by what you're saying as a critique, if he learned all that within half a year, and the Infinity War is like about two or three years after that. I can see him glaring all of that in like three years. That's like, true. All that magic. So that is it's, true. It it's not too far fetched. It's up to the bait. I understand that, but I de- your your concerns about it are definitely warranted. I understand completely because even when I came at it, I was like, "This could have been better." I I'm liking it because he's my favorite character, but it could have been better. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know what? Maybe it's my fault also because maybe my expectations for Doctor Strange were it wasn't like astronomical, but I did put it on a certain pedestal. You know, it's a part of it's a part of a long side. It's a part of a long time franchise that's actually picking up momentum. Every movie at that point was getting good. You had Ragnarok where they literally had to destroy Asgard. Like, you know what I mean? Like there is, they were doing so much. I felt like they could have just a little bit more, just a little. <laughs> I'll, I'll give you that one, guys. If anybody wants to leave any comments in this section for that, it's okay, you're more it's okay dog. I'll, I'll wear my bulletproof vest. I'm ready, guys. I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're gonna leave him in the quantum realm for a second just to pull <laughs> off with that one. Jake, what is your number one? I'm All right. To yours now. <laughs> no, no, no. Mine's is uh, pretty easy. My number one. I'm sorry, but I have to give it to Ghost Rider. Oh. One reason. <laughs> Nicholas Cage. I'm sorry, but him as 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 um Johnny, as Johnny Blaze. Blaze. It's like it was like Mark Stephen Johnson was like Johnny Blaze. 
<laughs> yes, yes, we we're, we're doing this, and um, I'm sorry, but there's just so many things wrong with that movie. Um, I, <sighs> I just, <laughs> like, I mean, the, the graphics were. I'm sorry, but like, the, you know, the the CGI in there was it was cheese. It, it was. It was worse than Green Lanterns. And you know how I felt about Green Lanterns. And then the ending scene where he's just like riding with his dad and they're trying to throw in that like crazy, um, uh, what, what the fuck? Uh, what, what, was, what song was playing back there? Uh, it was something from Bon Jovi. Um, yeah, yeah, it was Bon Jovi that they were playing and they're just like galloping through the fucking desert to go fight. Like, what the hell is that? Oh, like, yes, that just... I remember that. That's a good bonding moment. Stop it. No, I'm just that kidding. Was, that was just, <laughs> it was just so bad. Um, you know, and we're, we're not even going to go into the topic of the sequel, which, God, I want to know oh, who in their God. right mind thought a sequel. Like, I understand that uh, Ghost Rider was a hit in the, um, in the box office, um, but really the reviews of that movie were just awful and it was for good reason you know um i I think people wanted to see it because you know ghost rider is an anti-hero that's um pretty creative it's very original and to be able to see that on on the big screen is um is a treat you know especially for a character like that and and and, you know he like i said he's that anti-hero and a lot of people love anti-heroes why because they have a very dark you know they're not superman they're not batman you know they have a very darker um uh, 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 psyche to them, you know. So it's it's relatable to a lot of people, and I felt I was just robbed of Ghost Rider because Ghost Rider is such a badass. And to give it to Nicolas Cage, like I'm I'm surprised he didn't go searching out for you know a more secret treasure, you know, <laughs> underneath you know uh, wherever the fuck they were in that damn movie. Uh, it was just it was just so bad. You know, so bad. <laughs> I, I I know me and Mike are gonna say because it's like a guilty pleasure for both of us. But like, there's some Mimi parts in Ghost Rider, just a tad bit. Like, oh, no. um, like I, I'm not gonna say name the redeeming parts, but let's say the bad stuff. Like, definitely, this Nick Cage loves Ghost Rider to begin with. He's a huge comic book fan, and Ghost Rider is one of his favorite characters. So this is but, a passion project for him. But he's but too it's, old. He's exactly. Too old. It's like if you, in my mind, honestly, when I saw Nicolas Cage <laughs> as the Ghost Rider, I was like, well, hell, why didn't you just fucking do what's his uh? Uh, what's his name? Christopher Walkins. That would have been just a plausible <laughs> alternative too. And that his old school Western talk, like it would have fit the the Ghost Rider even better. Hey, I don't like how you're talking to my friends. I'm gonna have to do something to you. You know what? I, it would have been just as good. Just um, as good. The transformations where he's just screaming and laughing, just doing his best. Cage oh my god! He was really caging <laughs> it up in that movie. It was all I all I pictured was face off in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> with it. I was waiting for someone to go there. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then Eva Mendes in that movie, like you know, I think she was just like the pretty face. Yeah, you know? she was acting like a dizzy blonde. She wasn't even a blonde yeah. in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean Sam Elliott. Anything Sam Elliott in is just like Sam. Sam Elliott's just like a legend, you know. It's like he doesn't even have to do anything. He just has to be there, um, you know. He he can narrate anything, and I but think that was a good part, like him and the Ghost Riders both riding into the sunset with the with the, with the motorcycle Ooh, with the horse. Could have done without part. it. 
That was a good play. Yeah. Come on. No. <laughs> I'm gonna tell you right now. As much as that, as much as that movie is a guilty pleasure to me, I could have lived without that scene. Uh, <laughs> kind of just, just kind of yeah. everything there. I was like, everything. And then, <laughs> and then the, the villains in there were just so bad. Like they yeah. were just so awful. Like the water guy. Like oh, oh my god, he he almost kind of reminded me of um of um. Nathan Explosion from fucking Metalocalypse. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I was like, what is this? And, what was it? The, la- the Latino character that was the air guy that was making air puns. So yeah. was, it goes right uh, to tornado the chain to kill him. Uh, I was like, what is That is too much. What's the movie uh, with Kevin Spacey that he's um, loving the bag? Uh, it's a great movie. What is it called? Um, I'm the, with uh, Kevin Spacey, uh, Kevin Spacey and the guy is love is love with the bag. It's not a beautiful mind. What is it called? Um, <laughs> you know, he's like he, he's like filming a bag the whole entire time. I don't even know. I cannot recall. Uh, someone's screaming Funny. about that as well too. Anyways, him as the lead villain playing Blackheart playing Legion, I did not care whatsoever. Uh, I mm. felt that. Him himself wasn't a great character. He's supposed to be the devil's son, Mephisto's son. He did not have that gravitas as a, as a character, <laughs> as the devil's, you know, child to essentially inherit the earth or at least take it over. I didn't feel that. And of course, his death, too, was so lackluster with a penance stare and basically his eyes turned into freaking chalk dust. Like, I was like, what You're going to see everything that you've seen. What was it? What was it? Like, you have to, you have to stare into the deaths of a thousand people, but since he was, like, Satan's child, it was amplified. That's how he died, right? Yeah, he had, like, a million yeah, souls yeah, yeah. in him. So, yeah, yeah there you go. Uh, oh, yeah. Good luck with that one, buddy. <laughs> it was like a good Saturday night to me. Uh, there was so much wrong with this. And of Were course, you talking about American Beauty? American <laughs> Beauty. There we go. Ah, that's a good movie. Mm. That's a really good movie. Not this movie. That's a good movie. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there's a lot. There's, uh, there's only little guilty pleasures because once again, I like the character of Ghost Rider and reading the comics, oh, I can understand. But, and I have a thing for Cage. I could excuse Cage for some movies. Someone on here. Someone up. You know, Con Air is one of my favorite movies of all time. So I can it's, it's, it. it's that weave that he's got on. <laughs> um, but no, Nash, I will admit, National Treasure is is to me it's kind of a smart movie, especially uh what's his name? The little the little dweeb guy. Um the one from um uh, oh, yeah, the hangover. Yeah. Yes. Oh yes. I love his character in National Treasure. He's just he's just hilarious. Um, so that is a guilty pleasure of mine. So I, I will know. give Nick. I don't like that guy. There's a reason why I don't like. I'll give guy. Nick. There's I'll movie... give Nicholas Cage National Treasure. I'll hand it to him. He owned those movies. Those movies. That kid from National Treasure, the little sidekick. He played a movie where he was semi-retarded, and I keep on thinking to like Tropic Thunder. With Robin Downey Jr. saying, you don't go full <laughs> retard. And you never I go look, full retard. I look at that character now like, you know, you're that one guy that's like retarded in that movie. That's not cool. Damn. <laughs> yeah. the, other, the other Nicolas Cage movie I couldn't stand. Ah, oh, damn it. What was the name of it? Um, was it the the one where he's a, uh, where he's a uh, bad cop? What is Maybe. Uh, thir- uh, 
Thirty uh, damn it. Gone in sixty seconds. Uh, Do not talk bad about seconds. that movie. That movie's a good Dude, movie. Gone in, that's a good the movie. Only, oh, the only thing I hate on in Gone in Sixty Seconds is the fact that they destroyed a beautiful car named Illinois. That's all. That's it. Other yeah. than that, that's good. It's no, the brain bacon in that movie was just uh, god awful to me. I was like, who burned bacon like that? Like that is just like, awful. Um, uh, yeah, that movie was just bad. I'm sorry, but yeah. Go on. No, 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 I'm done. Um that was tough. I'm done. <laughs> that was tough. I, I think the Doctor Strange was tougher, but I um I can agree more <laughs> with with the Ghost Rider. It has a lot more flaws, definitely. Uh, a whole bunch of flaws. Hey, you might guys might even take down my number one as well, too. <laughs> we'll go into it. It's fairly recent and in my opinion, I put it I put it number one because it's the culmination. It should have not failed whatsoever. It's what we all wanted. It's what everybody wanted. It's a movie that had every right to succeed, no matter how bad the 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 road to getting there was shaky. It's still a cum- culmination. And this is 2017. It came on my fucking birthday, and I saw it on my birthday. Justice League, bro. Oh. The Justice League. It's <laughs> a total mess. Two directors, so many producers, so much of a clusterfuck that are happening. Two different tones of a movie, whether it's a serious, dark, gritty movie, or it's a funny, fun-loving Aquaman pun movie. You know, I'm not a- even going to lie. I didn't watch it. I, I, I All the DC movies were too dark for me. It's... This one will oh give you gosh. both of them. It'll give you quips and puns. It'll give you little, small, little jokes that make no sense for Aquaman to say. They make Wonder yeah. Woman, the centerpiece, who had a great movie, had the best movie in this DC extended universe, turn into a side note character for jokes, for a misogynistic oh, joke. No. no, don't say that. Like, oh, she's the hot girl. I, you know, <laughs> And it was like her and her, uh, well, Batman and her apparently are gonna like, are like flirting a thing in there, which kind what? of makes yeah. yeah, that was a little bit um, that, that I, I didn't like that at all. I was like, oh no, Batman and Wonder Woman, come on, please and then don't. For the okay things they were doing in Batman for Superman for Bruce Wayne, they just demolished it in Justice League. He basically is parading everywhere around the world trying to recruit people, saying, hey, I'm Bruce Wayne, but guess what? I'm Batman too. What of it? Like, he's doing his best Tony Stark <laughs> impersonation. And I'm like, why? You're killing your own character there. Batman definitely feels like like an uh, underachiever in this movie. Um, the f- bringing back Superman. And then, of course, I have to talk about the superimposed lip of Superman because they need to CGI his face because of the beard he had in the Mission Impossible movie that he did refuse to cut off. So they CGI his face where you see a, just like a, a, a blob on his face, on his upper lip <laughs> that's supposed to be skin. You know, the, that right there is this horrible to see. Oh my gosh, representation, man. You know, the only credible African-American character in this universe is just a side note of just depression and anxiety. And yes, you are Dang. a machine and you are a man and you're going through that, that, that motion of you don't know what you are, but there's no art for you. You know what it, what it helps? <laughs> Your own damn fucking movie. Your own movie, which you could explore these feelings. So when you got up to this... You're more of a complete character. Barry Allen, another character who's just like the ADHD superhero. He even admits it. I have ADHD, but my powers help that. Cool. Cool. 
Oh man, I don't I, I don't know if you're trying to get me to watch this movie so I can relate or just skip over it every single time I see it. Which one are we doing here? I watched it just because you know I had to. Um, but yeah, uh, it, it it yeah exactly. You know, um, so uh, there was some nods to that movie, um, especially like the very end, uh, the ending credit scene, um, that kind of you know gave you a little bit of breath of fresh air, but um, I wasn't too crazy about the, uh, I mean, the villain was powerful and I kind of did like that. It kind of drags out, you know, the fight because I hate when, you know, it, it's just like one final fight and, you know, that was the whole fight throughout the entire movie. Even that was just like a little bit too much because it was just like, you know, I hated, Wolf. I, I, I hated him. I thought this is supposed to be the villain, like the pre-villain to Dark Side. And we only get one mention of Darkseid in this movie. Nothing else. Yeah. We don't talk about Apocalypse. Oh. We don't talk about Darkseid or, or any of the things that are happening this on Apocalypse. A... The New Gods. Nothing. Just Death And Wolf. this is a Justice League movie? Yes. Do they recall about... where Justice League actually was? No. There's so much more than that. Nothing for Darkseid besides one. Oh, mm-hmm. Death Wolf crying about the mother boxes the whole entire time, trying to terraform Earth once again to make it like a new apocalypse. So that was stupid. The parademons made no fucking sense. They were just basically demons for Batman to fight because they had no powers. Yeah, they were shooting some kind of like Halo-style weapon. <laughs> that was like, right out of Halo, dude. <laughs> I almost yelled pwned in the fucking theater. <laughs> you know what? Uh, oh. In my opinion, the, 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 the script that I was reading before that they had planned for this, they had Stephen Wolf there as a villain, but as a, as a pseudo-villain, um, just as someone mm. that's kind of manipulating. And Superman was supposed to be the villain of this movie, which I would have no. been okay with. I would have been fine yeah. with an evil Superman taking on the Justice League and them having to convert him back. So then when he comes back, Darkseid comes back saying, well, I got to fuck shit up. Okay, that would have worked. Not this nonsense. So- yeah, go ahead, go ahead. In, in that in that case, Lois Lane wouldn't have been the ultimate weapon. Oh yeah, we have a we have a contingency plan. Fuck you, Batman. Okay. <laughs> oh, you're, what's your, I thought I, I swear to God, I thought his contingency plan was Martha. I swear to God, I thought we were gonna say, you know, it worked. It, it worked for me. It might work for him. You know. It's, <laughs> it's, it's a mess. It's, it's a pretty bad movie. Yeah. Um, uh, again, it, it's just great to see that alive. It's great to see Justice League, um, you know, there in the front, in, you know, in, in, in the big screen, you know, with the graphics that we want to see it in, and, you know, that lifelike, something that we can almost reach out and touch. Mm-hmm. But it, there, there, was, there was just so many things wrong with it. And it's because, like, Marvel Marvel has the... The, the, the blueprint. You know, they have they do. Marvel has a blueprint there on that pedestal already, and so uh, <clears throat> plus, um, I feel like uh, thanks uh, anybody that's working with DC. I feel like they like. I think that maybe they think that their backs up against the wall, and so they're trying to do everything to avoid from being compared to Marvel. But which mm. there's nothing wrong with what they could do with it. I mean, honestly, people just want that product. People I don't want. Know. I don't. What know. it is I that mean, we're used to. I don't believe in that. I think that the executives at Warner Brothers try to bully these directors into submission to make the movie they want. But we've seen people, mm-hmm. strong directors like a Patty Jenkins, who makes Wonder Woman. And guess what? Wonder Woman is one of the highest grossing superheroes of all time. 
and, mm-hmm. and people had their doubts. They were shitting on this movie left and right. And when it came out, bro, maybe the third act's a little crazy with Aries, but other than that, it's almost a perfect damn movie. Aries. <laughs> Get it? I, I did not like Aries one bit. I was like, this old ass motherfucker. Like, really? <laughs> <laughs> but if you take the Aries battle aside, it's a pretty phenomenal movie. And it, it just shows me that D- DC and Warner Bros. could mm. make a great superhero movie if they just get the director to do what they please and show their vision for the movie. I think James Wan's going to do an incredible Aquaman movie. Freaking James Wan does great movies. He does great horror movies, but he does great movies in general. I think he could really make a great Aquaman movie, in my opinion. I think that's what DC kind of needs to do. Like, and I agree with you, Jacob. I, I understand the fear of being compared to another company is very much so real. But at some point, you got to see that the, the dark and gritty formula just isn't generating the revenue that you honestly think it would. You know, they and like I'm not saying for them to go all sunshine and quippy like Marvel does. I'm just make it a little bit lighter, adjust the brightness. You know, give the characters a little bit more, more light, more flesh. Give them a little bit more human. Yeah, more humanity. You know what I mean? Humanity, especially Batman. Like I think Batman is so far off from reality and so far off from his humanity that it's just it's, it's not. You know. It's It's a constant conflict. And the biggest thing I I say Justice League is number one is because people tend to forget, yes, we're we're shit on DC movies for the past, like, what, three to four years already? But before that time, before we had a Marvel Cinematic Universe, DC, Warner Brothers, was producing some of the best superhero movies out there. You know, The Dark Knight, Batman Begins, you know, the original Superman movies. You know, Supergirl yes. was in a damn movie at one point. You know, there's so many. Hell, Batman and Robin, for as many shit as people give it, it's a fun movie. <laughs> I can watch Batman and Robin was good. Batman and Robin is a classic. Like, I, I, you can you can bitch about it. I'm, I'm not going to lie. Everyone's going to have their one thing. But you cannot say that Batman and Robin wasn't worth its weight in gold at yeah, the same time. I you know, the bat credit card, the bat nipples. I, I did not mind it. The, the free funds. <laughs> I did not care whatsoever. I enjoyed that ride. I did too. Uh, I guys, did too. I think this was a very cathartic experiment right here. Um, let's see here. Jake, if people want to find you on social media, where can people find you at? Uh, yeah, so you can find me on um, you can find me on Instagram, uh, 6VMPR6HRT6. Um, that's as dark and emo and gothic as you're going to get. Um, I also started my podcast uh, through uh, through Anchor. Um, it is called Anxiety Live. Um, so I'm looking to expand that a little bit more and talk about things that you uh, want to hear. Uh, so that's definitely where you can find me. Awesome. What about you, Mike? If people want to go crazy on having Doctor Strange as your number one worst comic book of all time. <laughs> If anyone wanted to go crazy on me, they can find me in two places. You can find me on their Instagram under Don number 36 Jupiter or under Facebook where my name is Michael Memeverse Lucas. I don't use my Facebook for anything relevant. I just share distasteful <laughs> memes all day. I think it's nice. <laughs> Some people want to watch the world burn. I definitely understand yeah. that. <laughs> 
And of course, if you ever wanted to find me, you can find me on Twitter at uh, uncanny underscore V Val Cisco. Of course, on Instagram at Val Cisco Sideshow Conversations. It's also on Anchor, which we're recording right now, iTunes and Podcast Republic. Uh, please rate, review, subscribe these episodes. Tell us what you think. Uh, Sideshow Conversations, also on Instagram by that name. And of course, Facebook's at Sideshow Conversations. Guys, it's been real. It's been fun. Any last thoughts? It's been lovely. I want to see Batman Beyond on screen. I think that would be fan-fucking-tastic. I don't know, man. You might get what you want. (laughs) You might get what you want. We're getting a Joaquin Phoenix Joker movie that's set in the 80s, but we're still getting a Jared Leto Joker movie as well, too. I think you might get what you want pretty soon. (laughs) Anyway, guys, it's always been fun. Until next time, later. Later. Later.